Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I am Michael Kingswood, retired naval officer, Christian, dad, and writer extraordinaire. I mostly focus on science fiction and fantasy, but I've been known to write just about everything under the sun, including the occasional romance. The purpose of this podcast is to share my stories with you, the reading slash listening public. So sit back and relax, because I'm going to tell you the story. Hey friends, Michael Kingswood, and it's story time. Happy New Year! Going into 2022 and back into my podcasting journey. It's time to get back to stories, uh, shall we? The uh, last we left off, back before all the weirdness the last couple months, we were going throughout the other. Gumbria Chronicles number 2. And we gotten up through chapter 25, which for some reason I did chapter 24 twice in two different episodes, which is amusing uh so we're going to continue on starting with chapter 26 and do chapter 27 uh two chapters per week that's the the standard around here for novels at least novels of the glimmer veil series which typically have shorter chapters since it's been a while and some of you guys may be new here and you <laughs> may not know the book um it probably behoove you to uh start back at chapter one or really Glimmer Veil vale, number one, Glimmer Veil. Vale. Uh, so I'll add links to uh, both of those uh, videos back to chapter one of Outdweller and the beginning of Glimmer Veil. Vale, so you can uh, start your listening slash reading uh, process off right. For those of you who already are caught up with where the story is, uh, we'll get going again. As usual, I wrote the story and the great Kevin Sapp did the reading. I'll talk to you on the flip side. Hope you like it. 26. First Aid The immediate aftermath of the Outdwellers' attack would have been pure chaos had there been more than four of them in the grass. As it was, it was confusion that Julian would have found tremendously amusing in any other circumstances. But being in the wide open in the middle of the night, with a large and apparently very angry otherworldly beast stalking around, was not the right time for humor. None of them could hear anything, or at least Julian presumed the others were as deafened as he was from their hand gestures and annoyed faces. Thus, it took a while for everyone to agree on the priority of tasks, namely making more light. How could they have been stupid enough to go running through the grass without bringing some light with them, and seeing to Radric's shoulder? Lauren accomplished the light easily enough. He grimaced, stood to his full height, not that that was saying much, and mumbled something that Julian was sure he would not have understood even if he were not still deafened, and thumped his staff against the ground. A small sphere, glowing blue-white and brighter than twenty lamps held together, rose from the top of his staff and came to hover about ten feet over his head. That illuminated things quite nicely. Radric's shoulder took a bit more doing. Julian had seen similar injuries before. The shoulder joint was dislocated, he thought the medics called it, he had seen a pair of them fix a fellow who had been hurt similarly. It required one of them holding the man steady and the other giving his arm a great jerk to set it in place. It seemed to hurt the poor fellow a lot, but after a few minutes he was swinging his arm around almost like new. Julian tried using only gestures to pass along what they would have to do and received only a blank stare and a raised eyebrow from Melanie. Radric nodded. He had seen it done as well. Lauren... Lauren could not be bothered to help. 
He looked down at Julian, Radric, and Melanie, and sniffed, then looked away, out into the night. Anger surged through Julian for a moment, then faded just as quickly. The mage had a point. They could not all tend to Radric. Someone needed to keep an eye out in case the outdweller came back. Better he did it than, say, Julian. He would be more effective against the beast, and anyway, Julian doubted he had the muscle to do what needed doing. It made sense. It was still more than irritating. Slowly, very slowly, in the midst of all that, the ringing in Julian's ears faded. It did not vanish completely, but it reduced, little by little, until he could finally hear the other's occasional grunt or murmured curse of annoyance, no doubt uttered because they believed no one else could hear. Julian did not realize it had happened until, after Lauren refused to take a hand with getting Radric's shoulder in place, Melanie let loose a particularly colorful remark about his heritage. He couldn't help it. Julian started to chuckle. Melanie looked at him, crossly. What are you laughing at? She stopped abruptly, and her eyebrows rose high on her head as she smiled. In relief if she felt at all like Julian did. They exchanged grins and Julian could not help but notice how the blue-white light from Lauren's spell made her eyes seem to glow. A long moment passed in silence. Radric cleared his throat. A little help here? Melanie gave a little start. Julian felt his cheeks go warm, and he coughed into his fist. Right, he said. This is going to hurt. I know that. Radric was already speaking through clenched teeth. It hurt already. Obviously. Julian gave him an apologetic half-smile, the most he could muster right then, which Radric returned with a roll of his eyes and an impatient grunt. Melanie placed her hands on Radric's good shoulder and the meat of his neck on the injured side, being careful to keep clear of the shoulder joint itself. Okay, Julian said. He took hold of Radric's arm just above the elbow and placed his other hand on his shoulder. His fingers touched Melanie's, and for the briefest of moments his thoughts lingered on the softness of her skin. Enough of that. He took a deep breath and looked at Radric in the eye. Ready? Radric nodded. One? Julian tightened his grip on his friend's arm. Two? Radric drew a deep breath. Three! Julian pushed Radric's arm upwards into its shoulder socket with all the force he could muster. Radric cried out, loudly, very loudly. For a second, Julian wondered that his ears did not start ringing the way they had after the outdweller attacked with sound as loudly as he screamed. And then, a moment later, it was over. Julian released his friend and backed away. Melanie did the same. Very slowly, Radric rolled his shoulder, wincing the whole way. That, he said, breathlessly, was horrible. But did it work? Melanie was all business in her tone, though her eyes showed her concern as she looked at him. Radric gave his shoulder another couple rolls, then moved the arm back and forth a couple times. He nodded. Think so. For the time being, anyway. Relief flooded through Julian, and he grinned from ear to ear. He stood and offered Radric a hand up. Better have the healing house take a look at it when we get back anyway, he said, just in case. Radric accepted the hand up. He used his sword hand, which was uninjured. Oh, I will. He got to his feet, then took a moment to retrieve his sword and resheath it. Then he turned his gaze, all business again, toward Lauren. Well, Magister, do you know where it went? Lauren was peering off to the northeast, into the grass away from the outdweller's trail. He did not turn his head when Radric addressed him. He just looked at Julian's friend from the corner of his eye and nodded. It is moved away again. 
You can still track it? Laura nodded again. The trail is fresh. Then let's get to it. 27. On the Trail There was a brief debate over what to do with Lauren's sphere of light, but in the end they opted to keep it lit. The outdweller already knew they were there, and presumably its master, the fugitive, would find out as soon as it communicated with them again. Given that, thoughts of stealth lost out over the necessity of seeing their surroundings, the better to not be ambushed again. They set off. Almost immediately, the Outdweller's trail left the beaten path through the grass, veering more northeast than north. Julian presumed they would encounter another beaten path at some point, but after a quarter hour or so, by his best reckoning, it appeared that that was not to be the case. It really was quite clever, Melanie said from where she walked to Julian's left. Huh? She rolled her eyes and gave him a look of reproach. That other path. The Outdweller must have laid it as a lure, a ploy to get us to go where it wanted. He had not thought of that, but it made sense. He should have seen it before. He shook his head and let out a disgusted snort. And we fell for it, like fools. Ahead of them, Lauren glanced back over his shoulder. Never presume that an Outdweller is not cunning. Even some of the highest-ranking members of the Magisterium have been fooled by such as them. He paused, then added, From time to time. He went back to focusing on the way ahead, and Melanie stuck her tongue out at his back. Julian gaped at her, shock over her action rendering him speechless for a long moment. Melanie looked sidelong at him. What? she said, in a low tone of voice that was meant for Julian's ears alone. He was taken in just like the rest of us. She lowered her voice in a mocking imitation of Lauren's voice. Even members of the Magisterium have been fooled, she snorted. Arrogant twit. Julian laughed, more loudly than he meant to. Radric shot him a withering look from ahead, next to Lauren, and made a shushing gesture. Julian clamped his mouth shut, but still found himself chortling for a good several minutes, try though he might to stop. It ended up not being an issue. In the darkness ahead, the mountains loomed higher and higher blotting out more of the stars. Gradually, Julian realized the gently rolling terrain of the grassland had changed, becoming more steep and varied. They had entered the hills at the foot of the mountains. Lauren brought them to a halt, atop a rise, the steepest one they had yet traversed, and Julian was struck by a memory from when he and Radric first arrived in Lydleton. They had tried to track one of Eisenhoff's brigands back to their base at night. That had not worked out very well, he recalled. Of course, they were not following a magical trail, or scent, or whatever it was that Lauren was able to detect from the Outdweller. Still on top of it? Julian asked. The mage nodded curtly, then raised his staff and pointed directly north. The beast passed by here not twenty minutes ago. We're gaining on it? They had taken at least that long to recover their hearing, square away Radric's shoulder, and get moving again by Julian's way of reckoning. Lauren made a non-committal gesture with his free hand. We've been keeping pace the last mile or two, he frowned. It's as though the beast is not trying to lose us. He turned a concerned gaze on all of them. Like it wants us to follow it to its lair. Radric grunted. That can't be good. No, I should think not. Lauren gathered himself up and gave them a curt little nod. Let's go. The trail led down the hilltop where they stopped, and then ran to the left, northward, in the small valley created by a trio of nearby hills. 
Again, Julian was struck by the similarity with the brigand incident, and he found himself wondering whether the outdweller and its master, or whatever their relationship was, were encamped in another one of those things the brigands had used. What was it Melanie called it? He could not recall. Julian shook his head at his own foolishness. No way there were two of those things here in Glimmervale, not as rare as Melanie said they were. If so few mages could do it... Wait a second. Melanie, he said, I thought you said there were only a few men in the entire world who could make one of those plain things. She quirked an eyebrow at him. You know, the between-plane whatever you called it. She smirked at him. You mean a transplanar rift? He nodded. They are exceedingly difficult to make. Only a very few have the skill. So this guy, this fugitive, is one of the most powerful mages in the world if he can do that. Julian swallowed and looked around at the hills on either side of them, suddenly quite a bit more nervous. How are we supposed to take someone like that down? Lauren must have overheard because he broke in, his voice thick with disapproval. You speak of what you do not know, Constable. We are not dealing with a rift, but a summoning. Lauren shot a withering look at Melanie, the kind of look that said, Why are you even talking about this with these ignorant louts, woman? Julian found that look a bit amusing, actually. She was already an outlaw in the Magisterium's eyes. Was she really supposed to keep all their secrets despite that? For her part, Melanie merely sniffed at the mage's look. What's the difference? Radric asked. Lauren gave him a perturbed look, and for a moment Julian thought Shuri was not going to answer. Normal people should not meddle in the affairs of wizards, as some very pretentious mages, and that was saying something, who were stationed with the army had taken to calling themselves around post. But Lauren surprised him. A transplanar rift is a connection between one plane and another, a boring through reality to create a passage. The energy requirements for that sort of work are tremendous, and the required control so fine that one can easily study for a lifetime and still not develop the skill required to create one successfully. He paused, quirking his head to one side for a moment. Then he nodded and changed course to the right, veering sidelong up one of the hills. This way. They turned to follow him. Lauren grunted and stepped around a protruding rock before continuing. A summoning is merely an invitation. The summoner calls out the creature's name and imbues it with power, usually using a summoning circle. The rite creates... He paused as though searching for the right word. A thinning in the boundary to our plane. If the creature being summoned accepts the invitation, it then creates a temporary rift through that thinning. Julian blinked. It can refuse to come? Lauren shrugged. If the summoned creature is powerful enough, or the mage is lacking in skill... For a man who is learned and practiced in these things, a summoning is closer to a command for any but the most powerful of beings. For beings like that, it is more... a negotiation. That means this particular outdweller wants to be here, Radric mused. Lauren nodded. Almost certainly. He smirked then, in a rather self-satisfied way. Or at least it did. Don't throw your arm out of joint patting yourself on the back, Magister. Julian snorted. So, how do we get rid of it? Radric frowned as he asked the question. Besides killing it, if we even can. Lauren shrugged. Break the summoning circle. Kill the summoner. Perform a banishing ceremony at the place it was summoned. There are many ways. He drew a deep breath. I am hoping, he said, that I will be able to convince my former colleague to surrender and break the summoning himself. Yeah, like that was going to happen. And when he doesn't? Lauren looked at Julian, scowling. 
Then, after a brief moment, he relaxed his expression and sighed, looking resigned. Then it becomes more difficult. Great. They reached the crest of the hill, and Lauren slowed, looking left and right. Finally, he turned left and strode down the other side briskly, his gait businesslike and his shoulders squared like a man setting off for a long day of hard labor. Julian looked up from the mage, toward the twinkling stars above, but before his eyes could reach them, another twinkling, faint but bright enough to draw his attention in the night's darkness, drew his attention. Yellow-orange, the light flickered fitfully, and it took a short while for him to realize what he was looking at. A campfire or, if not a campfire, a fire of some sort, and either unshielded or large to see it from this distance. Julian figured it to be a good four or five miles off, though it was hard to tell in the darkness. In front of him, Radric took a step forward to follow Lauren, but he stopped when Julian grabbed his arm. He looked back at Julian with questioning eyes. Julian nodded toward the distant fire. Radric turned his head to follow Julian's gaze and frowned. Our destination, Radric said certainty in his tone. Julian nodded, swallowing despite the fact that his mouth had gone dry. He loosened his sword in its scabbard, for all the good it would do against a being like the Outdweller. Radric gave a slow roll of his shoulders, and winced. His injured shoulder must still be paining him, and no wonder. Well, he said, let's get to it. Then he followed Lauren down the hill. Julian glanced at Melanie, who still stood at his side. She wore a grim, determined expression. Their eyes met for a long moment, and she nodded at him, and her lips curled upward ever so slightly. He returned the nod. Then, together, he and Melanie followed the others toward their destiny. Okay, the game continues to be afoot, chasing down the outdweller. Not much more to say than that. Hopefully you uh, guys enjoyed this. Uh, please, by all means, come back next week. Uh, we will be doing these uh, story story continuations on Saturdays. It'll be Story Saturday from now on, the way it used to be back before uh, the fiascos of earlier this year. But continuing on that, uh, after we finish out Dweller here in another couple weeks, we'll get on to short stories, a whole bunch of short stories to, to read through to you guys and do one a week. It's more reasonable. And... Uh, that will help me in another way, multiple ways. First, because it's a little more fun to change the uh, content up. Also, I'm putting out the uh, collection, the stories from The Great Challenge, and me reading them to you will also help me put them out in an audiobook, which is nice. Um, anyway, so that's the uh, on the plate uh, going forward. Each Saturday, barring calamity or some kind of chicanery that I'll hopefully let you know about ahead of time, I'll get back to reading stories and then during the week we'll do opining on other things um as circumstances and uh <laughs> my desires uh dictate uh we'll set up a schedule for that as time goes on but for now that's probably do one or two in the middle of the week um just to get rolling on that as things develop We'll get a more form, uh, structured formula for how we're going to do it, I think. Um, that's the plan. No matter what, though, it'll be Story Saturday going forward. So, yeah, please come back and join us for this. Uh, like, subscribe if you're on the videos, if you're on the podcast. We'll subscribe to the podcast, too. And uh, come back 
and uh, see us next time. Don't forget to stop by the website, michaelkingswood.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there, or if you want, if you like what I'm doing and are sufficiently convinced that it's going to be consistent from now on, there's a little membership thing you can uh, sign up for there where uh, yeah, three, a few bucks a month you get discounts at the SSN store, selling store, and any and other goodies that we throw out to uh, members periodically. And it just helps with the cash flow for the podcast and just writing in general. Every little bit helps, right? Um, SSNStorytelling.com is the web store of SSN Storytelling, our publishing company. And uh, there you can get all my books and uh, in, in ebook, audiobook, and print form. Um, you can also get them in all the other retail sites out there but it's better to come directly to us because that means uh cut out the middleman make more money and control the process and not beholden to these big mammoth corporations that can be less than entirely um honorable in how they do business sometimes right uh prefer to control our own destinies around here so our preference would be that you go to us send storytelling directly if you don't want to do that, cool. Up to you. I think that's about it. Um, please come back next week, and we'll continue on with the story, this uh, novel, and then move on to short stories. Probably in about a month or so. I think there's 33 chapters in Outdweller, so just a few more weeks, and we'll be back to uh, shorter work. Okay, that's really it. I'm gonna sign off now. Uh, thanks for dropping by. Uh, tell all your friends and family to come by, check out what we're doing here. Appreciate every every one of you. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. For information on my books, visit michaelkingswood.com or visit my web store at ssnstorytelling.com. My books are all available through all the various e-tailers, but buying direct from me nuts me the most profit. For information on new releases and other special deals in the future, sign up for my newsletter on my website. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyrighted Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music is copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved.